Today's podcast is called Breaking Free from Shame. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. Betsy Kilstra has a wonderful teaching on the causes of shame. I'm actually taking from her teaching for this part of our podcast. Today's scripture is once again Isaiah 61.7. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. We're going to start this podcast by looking at some of the causes of shame. Remember that shame, like many other generational sins, can be resonant in your bloodline, but it's dormant until something comes along to activate it. We'll start this podcast by talking about some of the events and conditions that activate shame. Remember again that shame is resonant within most of us, having started with Adam and Eve. Then shame gets passed down from our ancestors and is resident in our bloodline, but is dormant in a dormant state. It always takes a triggering event to activate it. Uh, Someone could theoretically have shame in their bloodline, and without a triggering event, the shame would remain dormant? Betsy points out in her teaching that some of the following are events or conditions that trigger or activate shame. You will also recognize that in some people, shame's really obvious. They wear their shame outwardly, and it's not hard to recognize. In other people, shame can be more covert. As you listen to this list of circumstances or events, ask the Holy Spirit to help you identify if shame is operating in you on either a overt or covert level. You don't want to walk in any measure of shame since Jesus provided freedom from our shame. So some of those events that trigger it are abandonment is something that will do that being physically or emotionally abandoned, especially by those close to us who are supposed to protect us and take care of us. The abandonment causes the person to wonder, what's wrong with me that the significant people in my life are not there for me? Something else uh, can be if you're the scapegoat. A scapegoat is the focus of blame. Everything's always their fault. When something is wrong, the scapegoat is the first person to be accused. Another thing is being exposed or overpowered by an authority figure. You know, being ridiculed by a teacher or a coach or a boss or a church leader or a parent, especially when this treatment is done publicly. You know, I had this happen to me when I was in the ninth grade on my football team, and the coach was trying to motivate me, but instead he pointed out how slow I was and and used shame to point out something that literally I have no control over is the speed that I run. But from that moment on, I always thought about how uh, slow I was because of what the coach had said. I was shamed. Any type of abuse is a triggering event, physical abuse, sexual, emotional, verbal. Abuse communicates that you deserve this treatment because there's something really is wrong with you. Illegitimacy is something that can trigger shame. With illegitimacy, shame can actually start in the womb. 
The child that is conceived out of marriage can pick up shame from the parents prior to birth. This is something we have ministered to before when we when it just happens where the child doesn't know where it came from, but then you find out they were illegitimate and the parents were embarrassed or they were shamed and they passed it on to the child. Poverty is also a shaming event. Having less than the people around you, you know, things like the house you live in, the car you drive, the clothes you wear um, can all be shaming uh, treatment, can, can receive shaming treatment from the community you live in, the, the people you go to school with, uh, church people, other places. A loss can be a shaming event. The loss of anything valuable, meaningful, important to us is, is shaming. You know, the loss of a job, of a relationship, of a house. You know, it's really common. You can feel shame if your parents get a divorce or if one of the parents dies, because there's a loss there that, that says something about you that could be shaming. You know, alcohol or drugs, the whole family can be shamed by having a parent or a family member who's addicted to drugs or alcohol. Somebody who's different, anything that makes us think or feel that we're different from others. You know, somebody that's too tall, somebody's too short, somebody who has to wear thick glasses or has a stutter or a handicapped or being different that makes you stand out can be a shaming event. Uh, cultural shaming is very common. Certain cultures are more prone to shame. For example, shame is quite normal in the Asian culture, and so it's a cultural kind of shaming that triggers this. There's also shame by association. When we associate with people who are shame-based, we can take on shame by association. So those are things that can activate trigger shame in our life, then once they're activated, they can manifest in many different ways in a person's life. These are, again, from Betsy's teaching, and they're, they're some of the fruits of what shame might look like. The first one is unworthiness. Somebody that feels unworthy is always looking to do a couple of things. One of them is, if I can make others look worse, then I'll look better. This person typically operates in blame shifting. You know, I can blame others so I won't look bad. Or in put downs. If I can make others look bad, I won't look so bad. This is also somebody that really can't accept a compliment. You try to compliment and there's a reason. It's no, that's not true. It's uh, so the unworthiness. The victim is also a classic shame-based behavior. A victim feels powerless and that there's nothing they can do about it. They often blame others for their problem. It's not my fault because they did it to me. Uh, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It wasn't me. The victim does not take responsibility for their mistakes. How about the apologizer? You probably know somebody like this. They apologize all the time for everything. They feel like they're really a burden to others. And I'm sorry are the most common words in the vocabulary. How about somebody that avoids conflict? Uh, the fruit of shame uh, very often uh, results in conflict avoidance. They'll do anything to keep from having conflict because I got to keep peace at all costs so my value doesn't get taken away. Other people turn to performance. Um, fruit of shame can be the perfectionist who thinks they have to do everything right or the person that has all the right, right answers or they're beyond criticism. They're trying to perform to make up for how they feel about themselves. Um, shame can also cause a lot of fear. 
They fear that others will think the same destructive lies about them that they believe about themselves. Bitterness is also a fruit. They believe that what they have done is inexcusable. They can have grace and forgiveness for others, but not for themselves. Bitterness is the fruit of unforgiveness. So these are just a few of the fruit, the the manifestation of shame. So how can you break free from shame? The obvious answer is you got to use the RTF integrated approach to ministry. All four areas of RTF ministry must be dealt with at the same time to receive complete freedom from the effects of shame. Some would ask, you know, why can't I just go forward at church and receive prayer for the removal of shame from my life? Because all four of the ministry areas are in operation, holding shame in place. Jesus Christ has already paid the price for us to be set free from shame, but we individually need to, to cash his check, so to speak. So the first thing that must be dealt with is the generational iniquity of shame that is passed down from the ancestors. There is the iniquity of shame that is in the bloodline. Iniquity is not the same thing as sin, but it's the pressure to sin. In other words, iniquity pushes you to commit the same sins as your ancestors. So this iniquity puts pressure on you to walk in shame and is pushing you to live in shame and must be broken. You know, many people repent of their sins and then wonder why they continue to struggle with shame. It's because, usually because the pressure caused by the iniquity that is in the bloodline has not been cut off and continues to push them back to the same sins over and over again. You know, I personally struggled with shame most of my life. From as early as I can remember, I felt like there was something wrong with me. To use Chester's words, I believed that I was uniquely flawed. I was a very active child who got into mischief more than my older brother and sister. Thus, I got more trouble than either of them. My experience of comparing myself with my siblings, plus many other events, reinforced me that there was really something wrong with me. When we went through RTF ministry for the first time and were introduced to the generational iniquity of shame that came down the family line, my struggle made sense. You see, my grandfather was a businessman in the United States during World War I and was ashamed of being German. In an attempt to hide our German roots, he changed the spelling of our last name from German spelling to a more English spelling. Without knowing it, I was born into shame. Once the iniquity of shame is broken off, then the lies we believe about shame must be changed into the truth. These lies have often been a part of our belief system from very early in life. Now, here are a few examples of the lies that shame tells us. This is not meant to be a complete list, just some examples to allow the Holy Spirit to stir your thinking to recognize your own lies. One of the lies is, I'm a bad person. If you knew the real me, you would reject me. Or, everything is my fault. I'm to blame. Or another one, I have so many deficits, faults, that I'll never be able to make up for them all. Or, I'm a burden to others. I don't have a right to exist. Another one is, yeah, I must prove that I'm worthy of love. I'll never be able to do enough to measure up. I am a disappointment to others. I'm a disappointment to God. And then, of course, the classic shame message of, there is something wrong with me. 
So another type of lie that shame-based people struggle with are false identity statements. These lies are very powerful because they lie to you about your God-given identity. Here's, here's just a few examples. Uh, I'm bad. I'm a basket case. I'm a burden. I'm dirty. I'm defective. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. I am unfixable. I'm useless. I'm unlovable. I'm worthless. Now, both types of these lies need to be renounced and then taken to Father God to hear his truth. When we hear what God says, the truth really does set us free. Now, the next area that must be dealt with are the wounds caused by shame. Shame is a distorted lens that we look at life through. When looking at life through the lens of shame, it's very easy to get hurt and wounded by events in life. These wounds, when unhealed, are a landing strip that the enemy uses to cause more pain and more hurt. The enemy is very good at keeping our wounds from healing. The good news is that Jesus is more powerful than the enemy, and when we allow him the opportunity, he is amazing at healing the brokenhearted. When we allow him into those wounded places in our lives, he meets us in a very intimate and personal way and brings healing to our hearts. The final area that must be dealt with for complete freedom from shame is to remove the demonic oppression from our life. Now, this is easy to do once we've dealt with the other three areas that I've already mentioned. It's essential that we deal with the other three areas of the generational iniquity, the lies we believe, and the wounded places in order to take the enemy's legal rights to oppress us away. Once his legal rights are, rem are removed, it's our right as a child of God to command him to leave. And he has to do what we tell him to do because of our authority as children of God. Something that is common in many church settings is for well-meaning leaders to try to help those who struggle with shame to get freedom by trying to pray shame off of them. I wish it was that easy. Shame is held in place by several factors. That's why the RTF integrated approach is so successful in setting people free from shame because it deals with all four ministry areas that hold shame in place. Something else that is common is for people to tolerate a little shame in their lives. I can handle it because it's not as bad as the shame on Joe or Sally. Even a little shame is too much. Don't put up with it. Don't settle for anything less than total freedom. Jesus died a very shameful death on the cross. Most of the portrayals show Jesus at least having a loincloth covering his nakedness. The reality was that he probably was totally naked on the cross, which was a very shameful thing in that day and now. He died a shameful death so that he could carry our shame upon him on the cross. He died a shameful death so that we don't have to live a shameful life. Let's pray. Father, give us revelation into shame. Even a little bit of shame is too much, because as that just said, Jesus died a shameful death so that we don't have to live a shameful life. Would you send your Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to reveal the truth to us, to reveal the places that are still, we're still um, holding on to shame so that we can walk in the total freedom that Jesus came to give us. I thank you for the integrated approach that you, you downloaded to Chester and Betsy Kilster. 
that really does set the captives free from shame. Would you guide us? Would you lead us? Lord, use this message today to inspire people to to not be tolerant of anything less than total freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.